Welcome to the No More Late Fees podcast. I'm Jackie. And I'm Danielle. And we're just two best friends and ex-Blockbuster employees re-watching some of the best and worst movies from the late 90s and early 2000s. This week, we are talking about the 2003 family classic, Holes, with our guest, Maria. Welcome back, Maria. Hi, I'm happy to be back. Thank you for having me. (laughs) And if you want to get to know Maria a little bit better, make sure to pause and check out her her trailer and uh, we'll wait for you. Just hit pause and come back. We'll be here. But before we dive in, let's get into some housekeeping. I never know if we get it or not. If you love the podcast and you want to support us, here are a few ways that you can. Did you know writing a review and or rating us helps us get more listeners? If you want to be featured and help us grow, head over to Apple, Spotify, Podchasers, iHeartRadio, Good Pods, or your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. And make sure that you are subscribing to our YouTube channel. We're really trying to throw some more fun bonus clips, some new content that you can check out that's a little different than what we put on on TikTok and Instagram. And thank you guys so much. We finally reached 4K on Instagram. It's a slow uphill battle, but you guys helped us get there. So thank you. But doesn't mean stop following us there. Make sure to go check us out at No More Late Fees on both YouTube and Instagram. And if you want to support us further, head on over to patreon.com slash no more late fees and become a Patreon bestie. When you sign up, you'll you'll get access to exclusive content, stickers, lives, and our burnout Spotify playlists. I listened to it for the first time all the way through in the car driving to Nana's and I had a fun time. Oh, I'm so glad. Great job. They're literally, (laughs) thank you. They're literally, I found my burned CDs and created the playlist directly from those burned CDs. I'll have to give you my booty pop in 2001. (laughs) It's a classic. Please do. Okay. told me. I'm definitely going (laughs) to Well, I'll tell you guys a little bit about holes. Stanley Yelnets, the fourth, under a curse earned by a dead great-great-grandfather who stole a pig, is accused of stealing a pair of shoes and sentenced to a juvenile correction center at Camp Green Lake, where chaos, intrigue, and a heartwarming friendship with Zero ensues until the curse is finally lifted. The movie stars Shia LaBeouf, Kalo Thomas, Brendan Jefferson, Sigourney Weaver, John Voight, Tim Blake Nelson, Patricia Arquette, Dulé Hill, and Byron Cotton. And <laughs> written by Louis Sakar. I hope I said his name correctly. You can watch the movie on Disney+. Plus. But before we start, let's get into our ratings rewind. So you know the drill. Before we get into the movie, we'll reveal the rating our Y2K versions of ourselves we give. Then at the end, we'll see if our current selves agree with our initial rating. Our scale consists of would buy it, would buy it again. The best would play would play on repeat. Five day rental. Would watch again. Two day rental. Okay, but nothing to write home about. And same day rental. Mm, Dig a hole because it's garbage. (laughs) (laughs) So Mario, what was your Y2K rating of holes? 
I think I would do, I was going to do same day rental as my Y2K rating. Okay. Don't be shocked y'all, but your girl ain't never seen this movie full through. Oh, no way. Okay. Yeah. I was like, child labor. I don't think I'm interested. And also, <laughs> also this movie came out in a time period that was just like, I wasn't watching Disney channel like that anymore. Mm-hmm. And also the holes and the desert like that some parts of the desert that looks like cracked skin I oh have... the tricky terophobia is terrible yeah thank you yeah. I'm glad you knew what the technical yeah. word was yeah. I, for years I didn't know what that was I just thought they said it wrong too yeah but it's the tricky phobia I will admit the only reason is because I love the book fifth grade Maria obsessed over this book it was this in Harry Potter these are my two favorite books at the time. So when a movie came out, I was like, I'm going to watch it no matter what. So that is right. why I would have wanted it for sure. Yeah, never seen it. Jackie? It was, I guess it was a two-day rental. I mean, so my brother is six years younger than me. Hello, Johnny. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I didn't have to read the book in fifth grade, but he did. And then my mom just read everything. So then she read the book too, And then they watched the movie together. So that is my memory of this movie. And I remember not hating it. It was fine. It had the kid from Even Stevens in it. And Mm -hmm. it was well acted. It just wasn't in my my rotation. Mm -hmm. So the box office for this movie, the budget was $21 million. And it made over $71 million worldwide. Uh, it wasn't considered a hit when it came out, but over time, especially when it the VHS release and it playing constantly on Disney Channel, it is definitely a cult hit. And I think even you were saying before, Jackie, that like it's because of the reward, right? Yes. So yeah, after the movie came out and was released to video and DVD it kind of became a staple in fifth grade classrooms. You read the book and then the reward for reading the book is always you got to watch the movie at the end. So I think that had help with the staying power of of holes. And it was kind of like, not generation after generation, but like class after class that were coming up through elementary school is kind of like their fifth grade rite of passage was holes. And I will say, sorry, it's a, it's a really good book adaptation. As someone who loved the book, watching the movie, I can't speak on like if the movie is rewatchable, if it's just like a standalone, but if someone that like wanted to watch it based off the book, it is great. It's a great book adaptation. So I could see why like the people that did read it, like and the fifth graders that would keep wanting to watch it because not only is it nostalgia, but it's also like, oh, this was actually a very good adaptation. So it was a good study of seeing how it's done well. Well, that's good. The book was actually challenged for bring, being inappropriate for 10-year-olds as well as its sense of morality, which in our time period right now of book banning seems it hits a little too close to home. But just, I didn't read the book, but just if it's a faithful adaptation and from watching the movie, it seems like it hits a lot of different core themes Mm-hmm. Uh, like our the inequities and in- inequality of our legal system, 
racism, classism, homelessness. So I could see why some people might not want children to actually learn about these things. Mm-hmm. Because if they knew about it, maybe it might be something they challenge themselves moving forward. So, and what I appreciate about this book is that, like, it brings up those themes without being super like obvious. Like, I think right. like an adult who was trying to ban this book probably wouldn't realize what they're banning. You know, like it, it would be someone who had to read it, have a little bit of like media literacy and like cognitive reasoning to be like, oh, this like brings up themes that anyone who analyzed it could give them questionable ideas that I would go against me. So I like how subtle this book is with bringing up all these themes without, because as a fit, like as a child, when I read it, I was just like, wow, this is a really good book that like comes together serendipitously. But as an adult, I'm like, wow, the themes of like the, our like, you know, law enforcement is so huge in this, like as a child that I totally missed. So this is one of those books that I don't think would be banned originally. Like I think other books would be obviously banned, but they're like, oh, this is just a fun book. Yeah. <laughs> It's like just it a friendship and it's bull, boys digging holes. Yeah. I, I feel yeah. like it must have very much been like a kid that came home and was like, oh, we read this book and in it, they were trying to like destroy the records of a kid so that uh, <laughs> he, they didn't mm. have to account for him. Like something like that where a parent's like, um, sorry, what? Or like <laughs> they burned a, a school down because the lady liked a black man, like something like that is where parents probably like the kids just came home telling him about the book and probably very layman's terms because they're kids. And then the parents just without even probably reading it or just immediately like, what are you teaching my child? That's (laughs) what it feels like to me. (laughs) And I don't think, and I don't think a child would get there until the teacher was just like, did you notice that the kids have no reform? Do you notice that they're just like forced to dig holes without any sort of like social, like any sort of like counseling and trying to be better? Like, what does this say about our whole, like our own like system? So until a teacher brought it up to kids, I don't think they would have had that reasoning. I even have it until like I was an adult. So yeah, I mean, the the funny thing though, I I do give kids credit because they do see things that aren't right. Like I can Mm -hmm. see them saying like, it's not right that these kids are having to be forced to dig these holes and and being told that they're bad and mm-hmm. this is their punishment. Like I, I could see kids getting fired up about it. The other thing that yeah. I don't think even in the lesson plan that one of the themes that really stuck out to me would be talked about at school, but I definitely see us as a collective talking about a lot more, which is generational, what we used to, our parents used to call generational curses, but now we can recognize as generational oh, trauma. And mm-hmm. if you talk about epigenetics and how you mm-hmm. are carrying at least 14 to 20 generations of potential trauma, that those two boys were kind of kismet of meeting each other and mm-hmm. healing past generations for both their families. I just thought that was interesting. I think we saw that a little bit in the Disney movie Encanto recently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, I thought that was just like a really cool element in this movie. <laughs> yeah. And like to go off of like the kids themes as a child, I remember. So one thing I will say that like the book, the movie doesn't do is that like in the book, Stanley Yelnats, the main character, he's really naive and very like, he's a little too optimistic. 
with everything that's going on with his life. So like, I may have not understood the fact that there was like an injustice happening, but I remember being like, oh my God, Stanley, wake up. Like even as like a 10 year old who was like listening to this 10 year old talk about his life, yeah. I was just like wanting to shake him. So like, even as a child, like maybe if we didn't understand the themes until like the lesson plan brought it up, we could recognize the fact that he was going through something terrible. So was Zero, so were all of these kids, but they were just trying to make the most of it, which I understand as a child that like you want to make the most of a bad situation. But Stanley's optimism got to me a lot when <laughs> yeah. I was reading the book. And I was not as cynical back then. I was a cute little like 10-year-old that was full of optimism before my emo phase. So like, <laughs> I can imagine a lot of like 11-year-olds being like, no, this guy really doesn't see what's going on in his life. So like, I could see them at least identifying the fact that the narrator is a little too out of touch for his own mental health almost. But I wonder if Stanley was living in a delusional state almost it maybe it's perceived from our point of view as delusional because it's not like hard times just fell on Stanley in this situation he yeah. has been taught his entire life his entire existence his dad's entire existence his grandpa's entire existence that they are unlucky mm-hmm. and so instead of just like kind of falling into that it's around him like his dad doesn't never stops giving up on his inventions, even though they're told and taught that they're not going to prosper and do well. They, they still push through and still try to have a positive outlook. Like this curse won't define me. So I think it's a learned mindset, a coping mechanism, mechanism, but, and just the mindset that he learned from his family that, that maybe they go on to the over overcompensate for it a little bit by being very positive and I completely agree and I think this is why the book is so smart and that like it's I really appreciate the fact that this is required reading for fifth graders because like as a fifth grader I could tell like something is off with Stanley's mental like approach to this as an adult I see it I'm like oh he's definitely coping He's definitely like manifesting his best life. Like, oh, I'm going to summer camp. (laughs) Right. I'm not going to a reform camp. I'm going to summer camp. It's going to be great. Like his letters to his mother are really literally him trying to be like, this is, that was his mentality even before he got sentenced. So I really like that it is required from fifth graders because it shows the fact that like, this is what happens whenever you go through like generational trauma and go through a lot. Like you can change your mentality. And like, as a child, you can even recognize like, hey, that's something off. And like, I appreciate the fact that like, it's it's a book aimed for children, but it's so smart, I think. Yeah. And I think those are always the best books to not mm-hmm. speak down to children because they are very exactly. smart. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially these children, like our, the children nowadays, they're just so aware. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's get into holes. So we, the movie opens, we get that a little bit of the, the dig it song that we get the full rap verse at the end. I didn't hear it because I fast forwarded all the holes and stuff and I had to close my eyes real tight. So, so just like that's, this. A, that's a hard scene. It's a hard scene. That's so fair. So we see Barf Bag's just over digging holes. He's tired. He's thirsty. He comes up with a plan. There's a rattlesnake. He takes his boot off. 
sticks it in front, sticks the foot in front of the rattlesnake. Bye bye barf bag. So now we ha- we need a seventh kid to dig a hole because so they must be in like little pods. Well, obviously they they're tent mates, but they also dig their holes in little pods. Right, because you don't see there's more people at the camp than you see digging. So like you see the group that Stanley's with in some of the scenes, but you know there's more kids and we don't usually we don't see them. So they'd have to be somewhere else, right? Like on the other side. Yeah, but then it also it seems like the counselor and Mr. Sir only are with these kids. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's like main character syndrome of like yes. Stanley, but I, I'm assuming that, what's the name, doctor, they're like camp counselors, like, you know, he's assigned to them, that's like mom. how it is, like, he's yeah. like, yeah, mom, there you go, mom. he's the camp, <laughs> yeah, I, the actor's name is like escaping me, but he's a very great actor, but he he's assigned to them, so it is like a camp, technically, right, like, you have a camp counselor, mm-hmm. and then, but like, Mr. Sir is definitely only fixated on Stanley because of main character syndrome for sure. There's no other reason besides that. And mom is, he's Dr. Pendansky and he's played by Tim Blake Nelson. Who is in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And he's in the DC Universe. Yeah. He's in Watchmen, the show, which is very good. And I would highly recommend you guys watch it if you haven't seen it already definitely should watch that one Mm -hmm. i had a question sure it's it's gone now sorry oh okay go ahead they'll come to so it cuts to stanley is walking down the street and he's hitting the head with these cleats and at first, you're like, why, Stanley? Why do you pick up those cleats and take them with you? Why not just keep walking? But then you find out that his dad is obsessed with curing foot odor. And so those those cleats were smelly. So Stanley found a new smelly pair of shoes to bring home to dad. Unfortunately, the cops are on his tail and he gets caught with these cleats and he ends up going to trial for stealing these these cleats, which were donated by a very famous baseball player, Sweet Feet. Played by Rick Fox, who's actually a basketball player. Interesting. <laughs> interesting. Very interesting. And he had donated them to a homeless shelter w- from which they were stolen. And so just by happenstance, Stanley ends up with these cleats. And he is caught with them. And so he is sent into Camp Green Lake for some reform. Yeah, the the judges like pretty much decided already that he's guilty. Yeah, like they didn't even give him a chance. I know no. that he did a good lawyer, but like everyone, even Sweepy was just like, who steals from children? Which, right, who, who steals from children? But like, they really, he's a child himself himself like what how old is family like a child he's like 12 or something right I believe I don't know how old he's supposed to be in this movie because when you were saying (laughs) yeah I I don't know because he to me he looks like maybe 14 Mm -hmm. yeah I think he's I think he's 12 to 14 something like that but like he's clearly like I remember when I read this and when I watched it now I'm just like wow this is really unfair 
But then again, I do think it speaks on our judicial system and like yeah. how these trials are. So, yeah. So we then see he's prior on the... to the well prior to the trial, he's at home with so, his family. Yeah. So when they arrest him, it's super weird because they arrest him and then yet they have a warrant. So it, it feels like it's all at the same time, yeah. but there has to be time in between for them to have a warrant. Like why arrest him and then bring him to his own house? Yeah. Yeah. And then like barge into their house and looking at things. And then they took a picture of his poster. Like it, it just didn't seem like a normal police investigation. And then we see like him in court and and throughout mm-hmm. the movie, we see these flashbacks of like, I guess the court case. Mm-hmm. And his mom is telling him, just tell the truth. And uh, very, again, back to that delusional best case scenario thing going yeah. on. And, and this is why I was just like, I don't know what it would be like to watch this movie without reading the book. Because like, I don't think as like someone who loves movies and like thinks that movies should stand alone without reading a backstory about it I, I don't unless you read the book would you have known what was going on especially in the beginning because that beginning happens so quickly yeah. without any sort of introduction like there's he, he's literally walking there's shoes in the air he gets um <laughs> there's cops there he gets arrested now he's now he's in jail so just like you know suggestively like so I yeah that it seems very messy for sure and your questions are very valid because it's like if I hadn't read the book would I had known what was about to happen so and and we also get, I guess we needed to go to his house because we needed the juxtaposition or not juxtaposition. We needed his grandpa to tell the story of them being cursed, uh, of the no good pig stealing great, great grandfather. And I guess like they had to also show the fact that his father is obsessed with this invention too. Yes. Like, yeah. I mean, I get why they did the exposition, but like at the same time, it's just like, I guess they could have gone into like they could have slowly built up to what was happening in the beginning yeah. of like him getting the shoes then him getting arrested because he literally got the shoes and then it's like oh he's on his way to jail like yeah. it, i think it was a cut to scene right yeah like he's on his yeah. Re- yeah so it was very confusing for sure and then the, he go ahead Daniel. in the book do well in the book do the, do they say that his character is jewish not i have not read the book but no it's it's assumed but it's it's not explicitly said by any means yeah because it's a it's kind of assumed in the movie and i I kind of feel Mm -hmm. like that would have been really nice if they really incorporated a little bit more because as you know we don't really get to see a ton of judaism on screen or jewish yeah. characters especially with like especially with the characters and their casting yeah yeah like, like, like henry winkler like, we know yeah. right Which, by the way henry winkler in this movie what like this cast <laughs> is so stacked yeah Tony <laughs> weaver i'm like this is a very good cast for this movie so yeah no they don't explicitly say anything you know what's it's i think it's like a, a testament to books at that time because this was technically a why like, you know, like the young adult novels at the time. It's just that any description of di- diversity was just suggested, not outright, outright said. This was like early 2000s. Like, this was like maybe 1990, when Harry Potter came out, like 1999, 1998. Yeah. 
So like the book books at that time did not say anything explicitly by any means. It was just very much suggested. Gotcha. Especially with this, like I think it was with a Polish heritage. Like it was very like a lot of things were added up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was understood very much. And I wonder if like I don't know what time period his great great grandfather was in, but I just found it interesting that she told him to go to America, that like he needed to go. And I was just like, I wonder yeah. why. And then when I started to see, I was like, if these are Jewish characters, that would have made a lot of sense that she, she was a fortune him. teller. Right? right. Yeah, exactly. I thought so. so too. Yeah. Yeah. Which dumbest, why would he not listen to her? Even as a child and like child Mario and adult Mario were like, you're the dumbest person in the world that you wouldn't listen to the fortune teller <laughs> telling you to go to America. <laughs> like what's the point of a fortune teller if you're not going to listen to her? A hundred percent. So we get, we get the trial and then he is sentenced to dig some holes. Yeah, 18 months of digging holes. That's a long time. Yeah. yeah. That's like stealing years. shoes. Right. Such a man. And so he he takes a bus ride out to Camp Green Lake. There's no lake. It, it's actually a dry lake bed that they're digging in. And then we get introduced to Mr. Sir, played by John Voight. And he's obsessed with Stanley for some reason and his gun. And And the lizards. lizards. Mm -hmm. First of all, do these lizards exist in real life? Because I'm scared. No. Uh, No, They painted them with non-toxic acrylic yellow paint. And the only poisonous lizards in the U.S. I'm trying to. There was a note about it. I did not copy it over, mm-hmm. but I know it's the Gila monster. Ooh, okay. And maybe a monitor lizard. I don't know. Yeah, My the way that so upset. the way that its neck did that thing. I had flash. I had flashbacks <laughs> to Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I they definitely got that from Jurassic Park. I, as like a med student, definitely no toxins and lizards in America for sure. Yes, this, um, very this, purely fictional for the story. <laughs> yeah, the CGI too was just god awful. Yeah. Especially so in the book, they get into a heavy description of these lizards. So like the seven, like, and I like that the one like little glitchy character, the one that was like tweaking out the whole time. He's like there's seven spots. I remember that was a big thing. I'm like the seven spots exactly on every lizard it's like mm-hmm. wild right so it's very fictional they made a they made a like almost like mythical creature for this universe essentially with that gotcha because mm-hmm. i was like i don't want to see these lizards <laughs> forget the rattlesnake these lizards yeah when you forget rattlesnake rattlesnake that's saying something yeah <laughs> yeah also danielle i'm sure you caught the you wear your jumpsuit for three days and then you wash it. <laughs> you, you know, I was watching that part. Like, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> there ain't no way. I'm out yep. here sweating and I got to put that back on. <laughs> Two days, in a, three days in a row. Every three days they got like, to, and they, they had two two jumpsuits to switch in and out of. And it was every three days. You play and play boy. So gross, so gross. 
You know they all smell so bad. On I just I can't even imagine the set. They just smell bad. I they know. should all be called armpit. Armpit yeah. had a bad name. They all, <laughs> like armpit. And you oh. know they didn't have deodorant. No. Why would no. they, they give barely them got, like, luxuries like right? deodorant? They barely got time to shower. They got like yeah. I think like ten minutes, not, not like seven minutes. I think it was. It was like a very specific time. Jesus, some boys uh, the- weren't washing. The and. other venomous lizard in North America is the Mexican be- beaded lizard. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, uh, go ahead. I was laughing because our dear friend Marley said he loves listening to the episodes when I randomly talk about people bathing. <laughs> he said he listens for and he's just. So shout out Marley. I don't think I'm, I don't believe Does these this happen often? Apparently, yes. I, okay. I, I do. I literally get on a soapbox and talk about people not bathing. In well, people should bathe though. Yes, a hundred percent. So that's so fair. Bathing, washing hands, anything to do with hygiene, Danielle is I'm on top of right it. There. And like in this, but in the to to your defense, like in this circumstance, like when you're doing hard labor every day. It's like the least courtesy. So them boys weren't washing their legs. I just know it. <laughs> You're right. I just know it. And I didn't see not a bottle of lotion. Ashy. You know, you thought it was dirt. Watch it. Watch it again. It's ash. <laughs> it did not care about the legs. Oh, <laughs> there was right. not a black mama on set saying, "Come here, <laughs> rub your face real hard." All right, Jackie, go ahead. Sorry. (laughs) So Stanley is kind of shown the ropes. He has to dig one hole each day, five by five, and you use your shovel as a measuring stick. And the counselor at first seems okay. He's like, we know you've done some bad things, but that doesn't make you a bad kid. But he shows his true colors a little while on in the movie. And then Stanley is also told explicitly, you do not want to upset the warden. And the warden doesn't even show up until, I I believe it's like 40 minutes into the movie. And the warden Mm -hmm. is played by Sigourney Weaver and she gets top billing only because she was the most famous person. As she should. I do not even side-eye that at all. Yeah, I don't care if that bitch was in the movie for 10 minutes. (laughs) It worked. It worked because the warden is like this entity of like who is this person, and like the fact that it was Sigourney Weaver, I'd be like, oh my god, because you meet John Boyd. Yeah, you meet John Boyd's character. You think like it's then he's crazy. He's the warden, and then you find out, oh no, that answers to someone. And so whenever I read the book, the fact that it was a female that everyone feared, even John Voight's character, like even Miss, Mr. Sir's character feared this person and it was a woman. I remember being like, whoa, reveal. And the fact that I'm like, they need to get a really good actress to be mm-hmm. this very feared person. So when it comes to Gordon Weaver, I'm like, Holy, they kid it out of the ball park. Yeah. Like, I remember getting chills and being like, oh my God, it's Gordy Weaver. Of all what? people to be intimidated by, it's just a woman to be intimidated by. So they did so well by casting her. So of course she got a top dollar. I, I bet they begged her to be in this role because I could not imagine anyone else being the warden but her. Actually, she wanted to be in this movie because Holes was her daughter's favorite book. That That's is adorable. Awesome. 
that is adorable that's amazing <laughs> when I do a video for an ep our episode it's just going to be one of her and it's going to be Trina's baddest bitch in the background <laughs> <No>. <laughs> She's her roles, her like, like, oh my God, it's amazing. Her filmography, I love her so much because she's not afraid to like take chances, but uh -huh. she, oh, her range is just amazing. Like you have Heartbreakers, you have this movie. Yeah. I just watched her in You Again. And, and, and I'm like, like, I forgot I, that she's in that. It's a good one. Well, and then you have like Aliens and- mm -hmm. Girl is in the mess. Like she's, she's just... in the Snow White adaptation. She's the yeah. evil god, like evil mother. Like she's just her range is so untouchable. Freaking good. Mm -hmm. And this is the only thing I will say about Jamie Lee Curtis winning her Oscar is the fact that I felt like any other person in that category should have actually won. I don't think she should have even been nominated. I love Jamie Lee Curtis, but there is not a role that I can look back in her filmography that says that, okay, she deserved an Oscar because she didn't get it for this XYZ role. And when I was watching you again, I was like, yeah, Sigourney Weaver could play Jamie Lee Curtis's role in that movie and any other movie she's ever played, but Jamie Lee Curtis could never play the same roles that Sigourney Weaver has. That is like such a can of worms. I, I totally agree for sure. Like if anyone was supposed to get it in that movie, it should have been 72. <laughs> Like yep. if anyone should get a, should anyone should have gotten it in general violet still get me started don't get me started <laughs> sorry i did i just I wanted i wanted to I say it on yeah i love freaky friday but like that was not an oscar winner sorry no. that's all to say yeah true lies <laughs> great but not oscar there's i'm yeah. telling you i if you're mad at me for what i'm saying i challenge you to tweet us tell us what movie has jamie lee curtis ever done that merits the win of an Oscar. I'll wait. Veronica Mars, the movie. Jackie, <laughs> stop your shit. <laughs> we love Veronica Mars. Like tied for Figure Friday. <laughs> I love her. She's a fun actress. She's a fun actress. And that's but it. yeah. Yeah, no, that's fine. I agree. <laughs> So we are introduced to the rest of D Squad, I believe. Yeah. Is what they're referred to as X ray, squid, armpit, zigzag, and zero. I'm missing someone. And um, magnet. Magnet, right? I just, yeah, magnet. He's a tweaky one, right? Magnet's the. The one who has delusion, like who's paranoid. Who's that? Yeah. Zigzag. Magnet's the one that zigzag. can steal things. Yeah, I'm sorry, Magnus was that always steals things. He's the one that sold the sunflower seeds because he's yes. his hands are magnets. Yeah, that's yeah. how I remember it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Which is such a clever name. Very clever. Right? Those boys are so clever. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and then when Zero's introduced, he it is essentially a selective mute. He only, he does not talk to anyone. They think he's dumb and they kind of just verbally abuse him all the time because he does not speak I feel like the counselor or quote-unquote mom mm -hmm. is triggered by zero because he has an authority complex the mm -hmm. boys the other boys don't respect him but he has true bully mentality because the other boys mm -hmm. could probably physically take him and so when they disrespect him he doesn't like it 
but the actual hate you could just it's seething off of him when it comes to zero and I think it's probably because he was bullied because he's a short man and Mm -hmm. I and zero is quite tiny so I, I feel like he sees himself in zero and he hates himself so thus mm-hmm. he hates zero yeah okay. especially like uh, sorry not to take you guys off no. but like the juxtaposition is that like Mr. Sir is very like boisterous like he puts out his like authority out there but like Mr. Mom does the whole like quiet bullying which is like I'm your friend I'm here for you I get that you guys like messed up but I know but like then he does the whole like past progressive bullying yeah and he does that with zero like you guys are bad you guys did mess up zero doesn't have anything in his brain so like i i think and it, it was played so well by that actor because like mm-hmm. even the book i'm like oh mr mom's great whatever but like and with the his insidious notion and how he wasn't there for them became more and more aware with the book and like this movie showed it like very well right away that like here's this guy who pretends to be your friend but he will throw you under the bus right away he doesn't respect you he doesn't actually care about you he's in it for his own bag and like the warden is his person too. So like the way he bullies, subco- like passive aggressively bullies Zero is a true to his nature essentially of what kind of character he is. And I, I have to say that you there is a, a tinge of racism happening mm-hmm. because 100%. if you notice like 80% of the boys that are there are black, yep. mm-hmm. which is not like a rarity. There is a pipeline from children misdemeanors and putting them into the system to go to jail and you could tell that by the way that both counselors treat Stanley in comparison to the other black characters and I think the book even they're just kind of like oh this was like your first offense you messed up like there was a lot of favoritism with Stanley for sure in the book even so it's very apparent that like they like him and it's like very obvious why yeah <laughs> yeah and- I will I will say that in the book he's very overweight and I kind of was really frustrated that they didn't didn't cast an overweight actor for Stanley I'm I'm glad they didn't use the fat suit but I think the I think the commentary about being overweight and like how that affects how people treat you would have been very interesting if Holes would have added that especially when it comes to a, such like a physical labor and maybe it was too much for a kid's movie to add. But, like, I really wish that they added the fact that Stanley was very, like, was an overweight kid, was obese, and how people treat an over, and like, obese kid and how they infantilize and, like, how they treat disability in general. So, like, yeah. not to say disability, but, like, I'm, I'm just saying that, like, it would have been a very good, it would have been a layer of commentary mm-hmm. that the book added that the movie didn't because yeah. he's fat up and he's not overweight. And it doesn't seem like they ever wanted to because the other people that they could have potentially cast was Frank. Frankie Muniz was originally cast as Stanley. Um, And Alex D. Linz was also offered the same role. So they were never going to go after an overweight child. And it's, you know, Hollywood, they do this all the time. If you look back at Carrie, the way Stephen King wrote her character was like a plus size girl. So... Mm -hmm. And I, that was my biggest frustration, even as a child was just like, it would have been, it just adds so much more layers to like, the state of not only his socioeconomic status, but his bullying, Stanley, and then like, how he connects with Zero and everyone else because of being overweight. So like, and the way people treat him. So I really wish they could have at least tried with that. So 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that, I didn't know that he was overweight in the book. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So extra layer to everything that goes on. <laughs> so we see. Sorry. So we see Zero is kind of instantly drawn to Stanley. And so the the other kids kind of wander off and Zero, or maybe it was before the kids ask like, what, why are you here? What did you do? And you said, oh, I, I, I was accused of stealing some shoes. So then the, the other kids wander off and Zero says, did they have red X's on them? And Stanley said, and where they donated shoes and, and Stanley's like, yeah, but then zero kind of shuts back down after that. Well, all the other kids were, they, they were like, oh my God, I can't believe you got zero to speak. Uh, so yes. yeah, they were yeah. In, around like in a circle. <clears throat> so that that's intimidating yeah. you know, for a kid. Yeah. But that like kind of elevated Stanley's status. He, he it was like, he kept on doing things by accident and mm-hmm getting streaking upwards yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then so this story is told in flashbacks not only to stanley's case but also flashbacks to kind of the wild west ish yeah and so we get one of those first flashbacks and, and they talk about it a little bit at dinner before stanley was arrested again that uh kissing mm-hmm. kate barlow killed everyone in their great-grandfather's stagecoach except for him and she wouldn't kiss you unless she killed you and he ended up living in the desert for 16 days by finding sanctuary on god's thumb is like the lore that they which spread. is literally bible or you know like yeah (laughs) the fact that they don't make this character outright jewish and this scenario happens it's just like i don't get it yeah how especially (laughs) with the backstory with his great 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 grandfather i think right right? with yeah yeah stanley yes yeah that's the first oh yeah no it's oh the symbolism (laughs) yeah And, and in that flashback you see her taking a trunk that has his name like stamped into it, Stanley Yelnats. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we flash back to the boys. I just wrote X-Ray is not nice. X-Ray is kind of like the leader <laughs> of the group. And he's like, you're going to do this. If you find anything interesting, you give it to me. Like pretty much you run everything by me. Right. Bully status. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I like, so the way I saw it was like hazing almost in the sense of like, yeah. who are you? You just got here. I also like, I think I had a lot of sympathy for X-Ray. And I think the movie showed it too. It just—it was very much like, I've been here. I earned my dues. Like, yeah. you know. So I think the not nice is because of like the way the world molded molded him. Like mm-hmm. he just was like do- like a doggy dot world. Like you either like this is just the way it works. So well, it's also yeah. prison culture. Yeah. So exactly what we're seeing is just like a miniature version of how things are run in the prison system when you get to to prison yeah and a nicer and it's it's much nicer than prison yeah. for sure 100 <laughs> percent. yeah yeah so stanley is told if you find anything interesting you have to report it and if they like what you find then you get the rest of the day off 
And then he he's digging his first hole. He doesn't really know how to use a shovel at first. His hands are covered in calluses. The other boys are throwing their dirt in his hole, making it harder to dig. And then it flashes way, way back to his great-great-grandfather. And they're from Latvia. I wrote it down. Oh. Um, and he he wants to marry this this local girl girl bomber's daughter essentially (laughs) yeah and she has there is another suitor who has already brought in the dad a a very fat pig in exchange for his daughter's hand and so (laughs) stanley yelnats the first goes to madame zaroni to see what he can do what she can do to help she's a fortune teller (laughs) yes Listen to the fortune teller. That's all I'm going to say. And she tells him to not waste his time on the farm girl because she a dum-dum. She's a fortune teller. Right. Listen to her. And so, but then he is insistent that he needs to marry this girl who has not a damn thought in her brain. Mm -hmm. That is not my description. That is like literally how she is portrayed. Uh, and she, so Madame Zaroni says, take my, my little piglet, carry it up the mountain the other, every day, have a drink. She was too good to him. She was too freaking good to him. Like, too how did good I, to him. Even like, <laughs> even Teddy Mario is just like, how do you forget? Yes. What she for you? How do you forget? And we also uh, have, to, have to state that the woman playing this character is Eartha Kitt. So yes. it just, again, elevates this movie to a whole nother level the casting of this movie was so well done like it, it really just, was like they could have done anyone but adding the characters that they did like a casting the way they did just adds a level of like uh bonding to the character so well like making yes. her as a kid i was just like how did you not listen to this woman <laughs> right with that voice especially <laughs> yeah oh yeah she she's amazing this was after emperor's new groove so i I think once disney kind of got their their hooks in her although she was she she had been doing stuff for disney for a while it looks like she was Um, but oh that was nickelodeon she was in harriet the spy oh i forgot about that i know her these went very well though (laughs) she was so good at i love that character (laughs) she she did a voice for the wild thornberries Jungle Book Mowgli story. She was on the what? famous Chet Jackson for an episode before she did Emperor's New Groove. Oh, wow. Nice. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. I love that for her. Yeah. Me too. And then she continued her relationship with Disney by doing holes as Madame Zeroni. So she, was she does. Great. It was oh, a she great was so person. So she did say, like, if you, once you fatten the pig up, get the woman, whatever. You need to come back up the mountain or you need to carry me up the mountain and let me drink from the the spring to give me strength. Well, he takes his little fat pig and takes it to the farmer. And apparently the pigs are the exact same weight. So he lets the dum-dum farm girl choose. <laughs> Her and father does. Yeah. Yeah. And sh- instead of immediately being like you, I choose you. She's like, looking at the pigs like are you sure the same way i don't know and then essentially it's like i don't even know what she says she's Rock, paper, scissors she, something no, first she's like i'm not sure 
And then she said, I'm picking a number from one to 10. That's what it was. And, and at this point, like, as she continues to open her mouth, the guy's like, I'm out and, this bitch. Like, yeah. she's crazy. And he, and he, like, even, like, professed his love for her, right. like, I've seen before. So she already knew that he actually, like, had feelings and, like, could have treated her well. She was a dum-dum. She so was such dumb. a dumb dumb. No thoughts. No <laughs> thoughts. Just vibes. Like yes. <laughs> Good thing she's pretty. So he gets upset with her and immediately goes to America, thus forgetting to carry Madame Zeroni up the mountain. And dumb, he hears dumb, dumb, it dumb, dumb. as he's on the damn boat. So mm-hmm. yeah. It would have taken him what, like maybe an hour to do. And what she says to him is. If you don't come back to get me, your family will be cursed for hundreds and hundreds of years, centuries, whatever. For so, always and for always. Yeah. I hate to say this, but he deserved it. Like, yeah. he, did. he deserved it. Whenever I'm like, you couldn't even like one night, one mile night, just go like, what What was your hurry? You you were in no hurry before this. And now suddenly you're like, no, I got to get out of America. Like, I got to right. go to America. Yeah, you got you got dissed by a girl and had to leave real quick. Mm. Such a such a such a guy move. Just like seeing <laughs> one more night. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I don't even know. He deserved it. His family, like no wonder his whole family is mad at him because they're probably just like <laughs> this idiot. They're mad at him, but they have this huge framed picture of him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm mad at you, but I want to see your face every day. Confused. Oh, that family. So now we find out Zero is very proficient at digging holes. He can get his done super quickly. And now it's the evening. Stanley's finally done with his hole. It took him all day. He's outside the showers and a yellow spotted lizard is is running towards him. So Mr. Sir, Sir kills it. And then he is writing fake letters to his parents saying how wonderful this he's, he's posing the the camp as a summer camp. Like we get to swim in the lake every day and I'm making new friends and all of these things just to reassure his parents. People Um, pleasing is what he's doing, which is Mm -hmm. another trauma response. Instead of being like, mom, Mm -hmm. I don't know what you signed me up for, but it's not right out here. Uh, Mom, it's not nice out here. I really want you to come pick me up. Please, (laughs) pulls. Like, don't let me bathe. I, I forgot to mention that mom is played by Edgar, Edgar needs sugar water. Um, on Men in Black too. One. Oh. oh, yeah. Siobhan Fallon Hogan. That's who plays mom. Yeah. She's oh a sugar water. I didn't recognize her. <laughs> wow. I didn't even think about that. Wow. Okay. So the next day or a, a day soon after that caveman or Stanley is digging and he finds a fossil of two little fish and he's very excited because it's interesting to him. Hmm. So he runs over and shows mom, not his mom, counselor mom. <laughs> and they're like, what the fuck is it? Like, we don't, that's not what we're looking for. 
And so then he gets the nickname Caveman because he found like these little fossils and was <laughs> proud of them. Can, can you guys, okay, I have to admit something. It took me till like literally 33 yesterday <laughs> to realize that his name Caveman. I read the book like three times, watched that movie. It wasn't until yesterday I'm like, oh my God, that's why he's named Caveman. He found a fossil. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's super oh, fun to figure it out. It's funny. They they say the word Neander, Neanderthal like three or four times in this movie. And I'm just like, why is that the word as an insult? Like they use it a lot. Yeah. No, I mean, it gives very much like an adult kind of like right for kids. But like, yeah. Yeah. I was just like, wow, those kids are so smart that they nicknamed him Caveman after he found a fossil because Armpit's like, you know, little fishies from the Caveman days. <laughs> like, <laughs> I also really love that, like, they show this in the movie, I can't remember this in the book, that Stanley keeps asking, like, what are you guys looking for? He, like, yeah. keeps calling them out. And he's like, no, we're making you guys dig holes for character. But Stanley's like, no, you're not. <laughs> right. Like, what do you want me to find? Like, they keep asking, what am I looking for? And it's, yeah. like, very obvious that, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. yeah, it, it's, obviously, if you're telling me if I find something interesting, I get the day off. So, obviously, you want me to be bringing you things that I find while right. mm-hmm. digging. Exactly. It doesn't take long to connect those dots mm-hmm. that you're looking for something and you're using child labor to do it. But exactly. also- from you can you can probably guess from Stanley's life he has a little bit more privilege to be asking that those questions while maybe the other kids just know in their circumstance they're not really allowed to ask these kind of questions and and get away with it yeah Yeah. if if it was someone else the repercussions would have been so drastically different if it wasn't for Stanley and it, it very like much speaks on his privilege that he could even ask it and he kept asking it like yeah. he was shut down but he asked it a few times and I remember being mm-hmm. like you're very bold for asking which speaks on like the fact that he feels like he had that like lo- like le- levity to say it yeah yeah because he was taught that he's allowed to like there's mm-hmm. the the limitations that were put on him are totally different yes he's mm-hmm. cursed but he's learned that he's allowed to have that ability mm-hmm. while these yeah. other kids don't have the same luxury. Like even with zero, we find out because he's, you know, an orphan or, you know, abandoned, essentially the counselors know that they have leverage to do whatever they want with him. Yep. But Stanley's different because he has two parents who are very eyeful of like, if anything were to happen, people would know that he didn't just slip through the cracks mm-hmm. and and I'm really glad you brought up zero in this circumstance because like even as a child this got to me and like as an adult zero is the reason why Stanley sorry spoiler alert but zero mm-hmm. is the reason why Stanley's in jail right like we're mm-hmm. in this camp and because zero threw the shoes but he then got arrested the next day right. like even though he tried to do everything right and like was still right he still got like it didn't stop him and it just like it speaks to the fact that like it's almost sadly inevitable for kids that like look like him. Right. And I remember as a child, I'm just like, it didn't matter. Like he was going to get arrested no matter what. And he almost kind of knew it too. But he right. was just trying to like make a day, like, you know, save himself for a day. And I think Stanley even had the mindset, you know, almost looking at the judicial system, like his mom was delusional about it, but knowing that 
it didn't matter. That's why yeah. I think he almost just accepted his circumstance and that, okay, I'm going yeah. to go and, to this camp. And I love this because I know it's a children's book, but at the same time, like I love the fact that he didn't get upset that Zero, winning Zero confessed to him. Like he was just almost as if like he understood that the system would have screwed him zero over regardless. Right. And it's like, and I love, and I know, I think the book did this as well as the movie that he's like, it was destiny for us to meet. He su- he saw that like him being like arrested for because of what Zero did as a sign that they were supposed to be best friends or something. You know, like it's such a hopeful and positive way of looking at a very crummy circumstances for both of them. Because Sandy's also in a lower socioeconomic standard like stance but he also saw like his privilege in that sense and in, in my head even though like you know he is overweight even though he was poor he still was just like well I have some privileges over zero so yeah like I have two parents you know I mm-hmm. zero does not know where his mother is literally yeah mm-hmm. so we so see... happy for a child's book <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We learn that the warden's grandfather owned the lake and half of the town that used to be there. And then we get another flashback and we meet Sam played by Dulé Hill. But when I say that my future husband has to be, no, not Dulé Hill, but like the way he was like, I can fix that for you. (laughs) So cute. So cute. Adorable. <laughs> automatic panty dropper okay <laughs> <laughs> that anytime that man is like the, the the door don't hang right i can fix that for you you said <laughs> when she, she was crying named everything and he was just like there love it. and the crying especially he was there like i was like where did you come from but he was there it's like the roof is leaking i can fix that for you i just don't know here i don't want to hear nothing else <laughs> if you grew up on disney shows music websites and decoms the time machine is ready for you to take a journey back to those golden days join us as we talk the golden age of disney channel the stars it introduced and more if it aired at 8 7 central it's fair game baby Like Patricia Arquette had also Patricia Arquette looked great. I've I, I don't know if you've seen the show Severance, but like that's like the last thing I see Patricia. She has a big prominent role in it. So seeing her in that role, I'm like, she looks so good. <laughs> She's not aged at all, like from Severance to that movie. Yeah. And their chemistry was adorable. Like they were just oh, so good together. I, I loved it. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry I did not find their romance to be cute because I said you're putting this man in fucking danger what game are we playing here I I think I had anxiety more than anything I was like I don't like this I don't like this one bit because what are y'all doing and you're not being smart about where you just kissing out in the open like this like come on sir yeah I think that's fair that's fair (laughs) The anxiety is definitely very heavy. I guess, like, so for me, I think, like, with the book, because it layers three different storylines, like Stanley's timeline, his, like, no good pig stealing uncle, and then this storyline. So compared to the other two, I'm like, where the romance? What? <laughs> I was not <laughs> expecting this storyline. So, like, it took me by surprise. So, like, it's my favorite storyline in the sense of, like, with everything else going on, especially with, like, the peasant girl not having any thoughts in her brain. Right. 
and they focused on that storyline for a while. I was just like, this is better. Like, I, this was the storyline that I was the most invested in with yeah, Julia for Tarikad. So, like, that's why I liked it because I'm just like, of all the storylines, I could watch. I could literally watch her being kissing Kate Barlow the whole time. <laughs> It would have been great. <laughs> She's the perfect example of when Black people say we want allies. Mm-hmm. Besides the fact she got demanding trouble in the first place. Now that, that, but the way that she became vengeful afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I don't just mean like, she was killing bitches. So for y'all who are <laughs> yeah. afraid to go talk to your racist family about them being racist and calling them out, be like Kate. It might mean you need to pull a gun out. Yeah, I'm saying this shit. I don't care. Because <laughs> yeah. we want, we don't want allies. We want accomplices. We want people <laughs> who are going to be down for the cause and say no to racism in a real way. Yep. And then you get a cool nickname. Kissing Kate Barlow, like it just pulls off the tongue. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I, like, I love her rebranding. You went from school teacher to a badass outlaw. And what yep. was your love? You what? ain't gonna kill my man and just be running scot free. I'm gonna chase every last one of you bitches down. Like Wanda Maximoff would be proud. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, this is the storyline. So, like, especially because they introduced Kissing K Barla as someone who like got the Yelnats ro- like you know robbed them. Yeah. And I'm just like, and then you hear her origin story, and I'm like, I'm rooting her yeah 100 percent. amazing like this is her that was her reasoning to cite fight social injustices and avenge the man she loved right 100 sold i want her <laughs> because we what we end his name is sam is it yeah sam um, yeah and yeah. her like we were saying have this cute love story blo- blossoming but at the same time the warden in today you know like in stanley's story her great great grandfather is a nasty piece of some of bitch who wants to be with Kate and she doesn't want him. She does because he's an asshole. But yeah, he was like the grossest person ever too. Like oh. he, oh. he was disgusting. He was always sucking on that gold tooth. He was, and he catches Kate and Sam kissing in the schoolhouse one day because they were out in the fucking open that's what I was yeah that was dumb that was actually really dumb when I think about it and so once he finds out he gathers his boys and they just they burn the schoolhouse and Sam is always you see him crossing the lake so he has no idea what's going on and they go out to the lake and they shoot and kill Sam. And they kill, and they kill Mary Lou in the process too, like a donkey. Yes. Is that who Mary Lou is? Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Like, why is this boat called Mary Lou? Maybe I went to the bathroom when that was explained. But then after that. The horse, the donkey. Oh. <laughs> the name. Yeah. And then this is where Kate's origin story is because when the fire is happening before her man gets shot, she does try to go to the sheriff to say like, help his ass is drunk. And I, I do want to say like, he, he got drunk and he's like, I always get drunk before a lynching. Yep. Mm -hmm. He might've said hanging, but it was a lynching. And I wonder like why he has to do that maybe if you feel like you have to get drunk before you literally slaughter someone you shouldn't do it yeah so and then on top of that he refuses to help 
and he tells Kate like he tries to essentially sexually assault Kate Mm -hmm. but the Mm -hmm. Disney version of that and she is able to get away in the sense that it's inferred not like full on because she gets away yeah so the next day she gets on her best dress her best lipstick she pretends that she wants to give him that kiss he was asking for and boy does she do it with a bullet between the eyes and a kiss Mm -hmm. on his dead corpse and she rides (laughs) amazing (laughs) (laughs) and she also still she's a becomes a bank robber she has her own little gang but really this is a revenge story for her Mm -hmm. she is killing bitches left and right who had anything to do with killing her great start for villain origin story i completely 100% like I support women's rights, but I also support women's wrongs. And this is one of those. <laughs> and, and just to know, as, as they're kind of finally falling in love, Sam sells like, he has onions. They're very sweet yeah. onions. He makes tonics. And he mentions in passing, like the, the onions, the onion tonic or the onion water keeps the lizards away. Mm-hmm. And then later we find out god's thumb is where he is going that's where his like little onion field is and and she makes spice speeches which also like i don't think the book like the movie kind of like mentions it but like the book it's like a bigger bigger deal but like yeah his onions and her peaches are like a perfect combination very important combination for the book for sure so yeah it's really cute i thought that i was like oh (laughs) together they're like a big deal later So let me see what. Well, I'm just gonna just completely finish up Kate's story so okay, that we can stay mm-hmm. yep. on Stanley timeline. So pretty much we, you know, we've already mentioned that Kate does hold Stanley's great great grandfather hostage and whatnot. But then at the end of her story, the great great grandfather, the warden—I don't know what his name is—the trout. Ass- trout, the asshole with the gold tooth. He, you find out he married one of her school oh, children, that moment. which is gross. And he comes out to kill her because they want to know where she has buried the gold that she he stole from. She stole from Stanley. She refuses to say. And robbed like a bunch of banks and stuff. So it's like right. all of the money that she's ever like robbed, essentially. Correct. And mm-hmm. then she actually sees one of those lizards and she's decided that she's ready to, to go. And so she lets the lizard bite her and pretty much tells him, Trout, that him and his family for generations, a lot of curses here, are mm-hmm. going to be digging holes for the rest of their Madame life. Madame vibes. Yeah. <laughs> and they will never find her, the treasure. They'll never find the money. So. And, and she and is I, leaning up against Sam's boat because right. yeah. they're at the lake bed. The lake dried up after they killed Sam. Mm-hmm. and so she and it never rained boat. after they yeah. killed sam so like which is like such great karmic retribution because he <laughs> lost all his money after he killed sam because yeah. it came from the lake essentially ancestors working hard that's <laughs> all i got to say <laughs> yep <laughs> so now back to the stanley stanley timeline stanley is now told if you find anything you give it to x-ray like he's been here the longest mm-hmm. and then Someone pushes Stanley when they're kind of in the rec room and he falls on this kid who's looking for a fight. Zero picks up a pool ball. Yo. Yeah. This is, yeah. Let I'm me tell you, that. ride or die, Zero is, he's, he ain't playing. 
Nope. I love that. I love, I think I can't help but like love like how serendipitous this show and sorry, this movie is because it's just like <laughs> zero was just like, that is my homie day one. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> like, but he knew that there was ancestral like bondage. Yes. There. So he picked up the eight ball. Like, <laughs> he was not playing. Kill him. Like, and he <laughs> waited like before he put the eight ball down completely, he still was watching. He's like, all right. <laughs> When he, yeah, that, that that moment, I'm just like, what were you gonna do with that, buddy? Like, <laughs> he was gonna start some shit. I'll tell you that. I just have, I have to say, like with Zero though, like he, I would say that of all people in that little group, he just always had this sense of morality of like, it's not fair. Like hazing, be damned. It's mm-hmm. not fair that they treat the even if X-ray, because uh, I think before this is whenever the whole reading conversation happened, and he asked him, "Can you teach me how to read?" Which I thought was so cute. It was just like it's so sweet that he just asked him. And then he just like, it wasn't fair. It's not right. Like he, the way extra even treats him, even though hazing and it's like a rank thing and it's prison culture, Zero still has this idea of like, it's not fair because of like, obviously he's harboring guilt of like the fact that like he is the reason. But I just, I just like love the morality and like how he had Stanley's back because he's just like, Stanley is paying dues for something that I did. The last thing I can do is like look out for him. And like, It's so Love. cute. Their friendship is adorable. Like you don't see male friendships like this. <laughs> no, especially you young al- ones too. Mm-hmm. You also see that like Stanley has kind of earned his stripes at this point because yeah. the rest of the group comes to his defense, which is why Zero can put the pool ball down. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all is. like, no one messes with the caveman. And that's when Stanley's <laughs> like, I'm the caveman. <laughs> it's so cute. It's so cute. <laughs> Uh-huh. Um, and I still and- remember Zero saying, like, it's better than Bark Back. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and then we do get some of the backstory of Zero's mom. They had a home, and then eventually when they went into a homeless shelter. And he said that his mom, a lot of the time, would take him places and make him wait outside or wait in parks for her to return. And one day she just didn't return. And that's how he kind of ended up in the homeless shelter he was in when he stole the shoes. And then at first, Stanley does say no to teaching him how to read. I think Stanley's just trying to stay out of trouble as much as he can. This is when, so the next day they're digging, Stanley finds what at first he thinks is a bullet. And then they quickly realize like, no, it's too big to be a bullet. But he gives it to X-ray and X-Ray is about to call Mr. Sir over and Stanley's like, your hole's almost dug today. Save it for tomorrow. And then you get out of digging the entire day. And so that's what he does. So the next day, X-Ray shows them this not a bullet and they call the warden over. This is when we first meet Sigourney Weaver as the warden and she's super excited. X-Ray gets the day off. But the boys have to finish digging his hole and gets extra water. And then essentially, like these, by the time they are done digging X ray's hole, it looks like a war trench. Yeah. It is mm-hmm. huge. And then, like, um, but I think they've been working on it for like a few days at that point because yeah. X ray does come back the next day and they, because, because, Stanley gave the what we find out is a lipstick tube. What's compelling about it is that it actually has a heart around initials, which mm-hmm. are what's her name? KB. KB. And they had the KB initials on there too. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so we we learn later that that's why the warden is interested because her great grandfather has had had her digging holes when she was younger, looking for the treasure. So. And she, I want to dig no more, Grandpa. Uh, well, that's, that's too it. damn bad. <laughs> Keep on digging. <laughs> oh, like on Christmas Day, too. That poor girl. Yeah, it's so a trauma she, for life. Yeah. yeah. There's a big generational trauma theme in this movie. hundred percent. And so because Stanley gave the tube to X-Ray, it is in a different location than when he originally mm-hmm. found it. So they're mm-hmm. digging in the wrong place, but nobody knows that except Stanley. I don't even think X-Ray really can tell a difference because he doesn't know that they're looking for something. Yeah. Because I think X-Ray escapes around the same time too, I think, right? Like he runs away. Zero. Zero. Sorry, zero. Sorry, zero. Yeah, runs away at this time too. But like- um... This is, he runs away soon. So we- they're digging the big hole and then they go back to individual holes. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. And then Magnet steals the sunflower seeds and throws them to Stanley. Stanley doesn't catch it. And so they spill in his hole. Okay. That's what, yeah. Afterwards. Because like, yeah. there's like, there's this clear intention. I remember that scene with Warden coming and then the way she like, you know, basically changes their whole discipline player, discipline player plan yeah. of like, it's not just a five a meter hole, like five foot hole anymore. It's literally like you were just digging around the trench. Yeah. At that point, it's super obvious. I'm like, it's not for reform. This is clearly child labor for a cause. Mm-hmm. And clearly the warden, and this is when I feel like anything in the book, in the, like in the movie, it's so clear that no char- no adult in this camp actually cares about making these kids better. Yep. No. They're all because they're trying to do what the warden is looking for, which is look for money. Yeah. And that moment, it's, it's like they go back to digging the holes, but in that moment, you're like, what what happened to reform? What happened to this build's character? Like now you're just literally digging a trench of trying to find something, you're literally sifting through the dirt. Yeah, right. And so it's so clear that like their intentions were never pure from the beginning. And I just think it's like very interesting that like, oh, as soon as they find something, now something plans change, like wow, giant red flags everywhere. Yep. And after Stanley takes the rap for magnet stealing the sunflower seeds he's the one who he he says he's the one who stole them so mr sir takes him to the warden's house the warden has stuff about kissing kate all over her house yeah she asks him to get the nail polish he thinks he's in trouble because and the warden or i'm sorry mr sir busts into her house saying like show her what you found or show her what was in your hole or something. So she's all excited. Like, Oh, we found something else. And no, it's just the empty sunflower seed bag. So she's not even mad at Stanley. She's pissed at Mr. Sir for getting her hopes up. And so she puts on this nail polish and she's like, yeah, my secret is rattlesnake venom. It's completely harmless once it's dry, but she's like actively painting her nails and she scratches the shit out of Mr. Sir's face. And that okay. is the thing that resonated with me was <laughs> later on when his face is completely jacked up and he's like, do I look pretty to you? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> <Stuff> nightmares. <laughs> I believe John Voight, the character, the, the character and John Voight deserve that. 100%. Yep. Yeah. And that is like 
literally play by play of what the book did. And I would tell you that's the scariest part of the book. When I read that, I was like horrified as a child. <laughs> and like they did they did it justice. Again, Sigourney Weaver was a perfect yeah. <laughs> for that. And Joan Voigt played it perfectly. I have to say too, like I think it's a really sweet how like I remember they even armpit gets like the I think like the oven dialer. And he's like, yes. look what oh. I found. It's almost as if like the kids don't even understand what's going on. Yeah. And she even was just like, Do you think I'm stupid? Because like I know what this is. Like no, she she's very, it's not just the fact that like oh he found something you wasted my time but so she was like did you forget why we're here we are looking for money like I don't care about your sunflower seeds and I just yeah. like it really shows that like everyone in the whole like camp like almost like believes the cause of like oh whatever you find will be good enough a fossil anything right. different but it's the warden's really manipulating the whole system to literally for her own financial for, gain yeah yeah and when when he finds that dial, he's he has so much hope. It's like the first time you kind of see like some joy and it reminds you, grounds you that he is a child. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. he also, it, it, it looks like he's looking for admiration because again, she is very kind to Stanley. Mm-hmm. And so you could tell that he mm-hmm. wants that for himself as well. And, and she's kind to X-ray too, because he's yeah. like, I found something. Right. Mm-hmm. So like he, you after she yells at him and is so mean and pretty much calls him dumb, he looks like deflated. I feel so bad for him in that moment. Yeah, because he probably thought like if it's because like because armpit's also another black child. Like he, she saw that like oh, X-ray found something, so she's gonna treat me well if I find something. Yeah. And just because like you know besides Stanley's privilege, besides that like what he didn't find anything right, but he right. does unfortunately. He actually found two things, which is kind of like for an unlucky kid, he's kind of lucky to say. (laughs) Uh, And then when Stanley is returned to his hole, he's found that Zero has finished digging for him for the day. And then Stanley's kind of like, why? Why are you being so nice to me all the time? And, And Zero explains that like he knows he didn't steal the shoes and tells him that he was the one who stole the shoes. And this is when Stanley agrees to teach Zero how to read. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he also shares his full name with him. Hector Zeroni is Zero's full name. I wrote called Zero a slave. I right. The other kids, yeah. all the kids did. But the Black kids start to do it first. But mm-hmm. Zigzag says it as well, that zero is his personal safe slave and they get mad because zero who is quiet and can dig really big holes quickly is now helping or doing the holes for stanley and they don't really care the reasoning why but they don't like it and it's just not going to be okay so they tell on both of them and this is when you really see mr or mom, the mom guy, whatever his name is, like his venom and hatred towards Zero come out really, really bad, calls him stupid, and just is just really pushing and making fun of him for not knowing how to spell. And at a a point, the warden's like, nobody else is supposed to be digging for anybody else. And so they're no more reading lessons either. Right. Yeah. Yeah, So, and, and Stanley, again, stands up to this whole thing and says, okay, well, 
if you don't want him to help me dig the holes, I understand. Valid. I will dig my own holes. But what is the harm in my free time to teach him how to read? Like, I don't understand why that's a problem. And knowledge is power, Stanley. Right. Like, I'm not saying that it was okay, but like zero really did insist because he was just like, I dig holes faster than you get off later. It interferes with our teaching time. Let's just do it this way. And by digging a hole together, they kept doing their lessons. So it was really like mm-hmm. a symbiotic thing. Yeah, I don't agree with the fact that it was labor, but at the same time, it's like, I, I don't know. It, it almost as if like they were ignoring the friendship. And like the fact that it escalated so quickly, like they got the warden involved very quickly into this. And suddenly now they care about who's digging whose hole before yeah. they did it. And just, it, 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 that seemed like progressed so fast of like, oh, yeah. someone's digging someone else's hole. Let's call everyone. And the warning got involved. Like it was escalated very quickly. Which makes sense because, you know, I think it's a larger theme of like, they want people to be separate and individual and to be fearful and to focus on, because if you start having teamwork and people work together, it's really hard to control a huge group that's unified. Yeah, exactly. So and that mentality seeps into why the other kids are like, oh, this is not, you know, wow. right. Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, because Zero has been just nettled this whole time, he takes his <laughs> shovel and just slaps the bejesus out of yeah. mom and he passes out. Mm-hmm. Um, and Zero runs off. Mm-hmm. And at this point, the three of them or the two of them are already like, coming up with a plan like just let him go because he's expendable no -hmm. one's looking for him we'll get rid of his just like his records in a few days we'll call and say he ran away because they don't believe he can survive in the Mm -hmm. desert and Mm -hmm. they you know even after mom wakes up and stanley after mom wakes up and they go back to camp they're like putting this plan together and say nobody cares about this hector which is Mm -hmm. zero's real name and that's when Stanley comes in and says, I care, you know? And so then literally the next day we have a new camper at this point, which is- Twitch. Huh? Twitch? Is his Twitch. Name? Is his name uh, Twitch. <laughs> it's really funny because this just shows how the system is like mm-hmm. in these camps, the moment there's a space available, there's somebody there to replace him, which is exactly the situation of Stanley, him getting into the camp after the other kid left. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's kind of nuts. Poor Zero, we don't know where he is, if he's okay. And Stanley is super concerned. So he he comes up with this brilliant plan to steal Mr. Sir's car and go after Zero but in his jubilant <laughs> celebration drives right into a hole. It is hilarious. <laughs> I also just wanted to say like the way the kids also act as of like, oh, zero is definitely dead because it's like three yeah. days or something. It's just like, it, it's so sad because like, I, I think Stanley's the only one that got to know him. Even before they were just like, oh, zero doesn't talk to anyone but Stanley. So mm-hmm. it's just like the way they like are so jaded with the system. It's yeah, so yeah. heartbreaking to watch that like because they're in this like reform system of like, well, people just die, especially because not I, it's not just zero. Stanley is probably the only one that probably has a family that's like looking after him. Yeah. They just don't have the financial means to do so. But like most of those kids, like Armpit, I don't think he was in touch with his mother. So it's just like, well, yeah, Armpit, me. I don't know. I, Armpit's mom, he does mention her later that yeah. 
he tell her that he's sorry so maybe they just you know maybe changed yeah but you don't see anybody else like writing letters or notes or anything like Like, that the one kid was just like it's okay they want to be rid of you or something like it's just like they probably just like resonated more with zero with the fact that like there is no one who's going to ask for him and I know it's a very jaded moment it's very dark when you like hear the kids talk about the fact that oh he's dead that's it now yeah yeah it's really sad Mm-hmm. So after Stanley crashes the truck, he runs into the desert in the same direction that Zero went. He stumbles across this boat that's upside down and he sees Zero's legs underneath the boat. And at first he gets worried because he's calling his name. Zero's not answering, but then Zero's like, oh, hey, hey, Stanley, how's it going? Want some sploosh? Yeah. It's <laughs> just the cutest thing ever. I have a question. These canned peaches... I know oh. <laughs> how long do can can like from a canning mason jar kind of situation the olden days I think they stay a while because it's like uh, pickles how, essentially right like, how many years was it from the wild wild west like that yeah. was the other thing I needed time periods because I wasn't I was comfortable they, they probably definitely went bad but at that point they were too delirious to care like yeah well, the, I, I am looking up your two questions. So oh, the okay. Wild Wild West is technically from 1607 to 1912. Mm. So oh. I'm, I, I, I'm, I, <laughs> leaning I'm leaning more towards, yeah. Yeah. It just says canned goods will last for years. Well, that's not <laughs> right at all. Suspicious. Yeah. Well, they're getting high on some peaches under the boat. Mm-hmm. Firm. Well, this is why peaches. he. Yeah, he. That's why he couldn't climb the mountain. Like he was struggling. Yeah. And and so Stanley tells him this story of how his his great grandfather uh, was able to survive for sixteen days in the desert because he found God's thumb. And they look up, and and there's God's thumb <laughs> right there. <laughs> So then Ken and I did, oh, I hit my mic, this for the rest of the movie, every time they showed it. (laughs) So they did, Stanley's like, we have to get to the top of that mountain. They, they are climbing, Stanley almost falls. So Zero grabs his shovel to pull Stanley up, but Zero's holding on to the blade part of the shovel and cuts his Mm -hmm. hands. Uh, and then Zero starts getting heat exhaustion. He starts vomiting. He he's delirious. He faints at one point. So Stanley picks him up and carries him the rest of the way up God's thumb to the top of the mountain. And you hear Madame Zeroni speaking <laughs> about yeah. carrying her up the mountain. And I have to and- say, like from the book's perspective, like I love the way the movie did that because in the book they don't say anything. They don't explain it. It just happens and then you clip like and then you just hear about what happens to the curse. So like the fact that the movie did it in like a serendipitous way of like, oh, you hear her voice. I was just mm-hmm. like, I got chills. I'm like, this is a very <laughs> good way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> with the movie magic with that. <laughs> so they get to the top of god's thumb they find running water they're they're doing little mud angels because yeah it's wet it feels good they find the onions they start eating the onions which were apples wrapped in an edible cover to look like an onion so they didn't actually have to eat onions they ate a crap ton of onions while they were on that mountain there was just a pile when they were done 
And then there was also this song that Stanley's great, great grandfather had to sing to the pig every day. And so he's so happy when he finds water, he sings this song, which is like the last part of releasing his family from the curse. And so the curse is lifted. You immediately get a flash to dad working in his home lab and he has found the cure for foot odor. It is onions and peaches. Who would have thought? <laughs> Who would have thought? Yeah. Uh, so now dad has money coming in to actually hire a decent lawyer for Stanley. Which is really fast too. Like, yes, he's into yeah. this, but like to patent it, to get it to sell, all that stuff. I'm like, okay, that was real fast. Mm-hmm. But she's a good lawyer. She got a Jaguar. Yeah. She rolled up on them and was like, I want to see, I want to speak to Samson. She was like, where, (laughs) where's Stanley? And they kind of just lie and they're like, oh, he, he, he'll be back later. And Mm -hmm. she's like, well, I'll be back. Oh, and they say, you need a warrant. So she's like, okay, I'll be back tomorrow with a fucking warrant. Right. Which speaks on the the privilege of the fact that whenever Zero was lost or just like, whatever, no one's going to ask for him. But they knew someone was going to come for Stanley eventually. Yeah. And yep. it did. <laughs> it happened. Uh, and then Stanley says, we have to dig one more hole. And I know which hole we need to dig. So they go back to the hole where he found Kiss and Kate's lipstick. Because Stanley has figured out that belonged to her. Mm-hmm. And they're obviously looking for something. Well, on the on the God Slam is whenever Zero also confesses and he's like, this was destiny, like them meeting yeah. and stuff, which I thought was really sweet that like he didn't get mad at Zero for anything. He was just like, it was destined for us to be friends, yeah. which goes back to like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if like Stanley is meant to be often. Yeah, obviously he's optimistic because of the generational trauma. This is a coping mechanism. But like, it just shows that he continues to be optimistic that like, even though someone's like, hey, you're the reason I, you, I'm the reason you got arrested. <laughs> It's cool, man. <laughs> we were meant to be. <laughs> like it was just very like Stanley culture of being super optimistic for no reason. I I don't know. Like I don't know if this has happened to either one of you, but sometimes you just meet people that like you automatically just imprint on mm-hmm. whether they remind you of someone else in your life you care about or you just feel like I that person is like someone I need to be around or take care of or or, or something. So I can understand that feeling. Yeah. I I appreciated it for sure. And it just like kind of speaks to like, I will say like Stanley never really changed as far as his demeanor, even though like this terrible thing happened to him, he stayed who he was. And I think that's like a very positive message for little kids to read that like, even if bad things happen to you, you don't have to change as a person. You can still be positive and helpful. Well, they got to digging, y'all. They did. They dug <laughs> yeah. that one more hole. They found the treasure chest. And so they're super excited, a little too loud because the warden, Mr. Sir, and mom all come out. But then the yellow lizards climb out of the hole too. And so they are just covered in yellow spotted lizards. They can't really get to, the warden can't get to the chest because she's afraid of being bitten. They're there all night long and they're kind of just waiting for the lizards to kill the boys so that Sunny they can take the chest yeah but maria just told us that in the books we find out that the onions are actually 
good repellent for the mm-hmm. lizards, which explains mm-hmm. why they're all lo- the lizards are all over the boys, but they're not biting them. Yep, which is so great that they ate all those onions. All yeah. <laughs> And so the next day, the lawyer is back as promised. She finds Stanley and Zero in the hole. She is pissed. As she should. And there's cops with them too. She brought everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So the cops are immediately, let's, we're going into a full investigation of this reformatory camp. And so they hit, help the boys out of the hole and the warden's like, that's my chest. That's my chest. And Zero's like, well, no, not really, because it has Stanley's name on it. And sure enough, all those it reading is, lessons. Yeah. All reading lessons. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> and it has, it is Stanley's great grandfather's chest where Kate stored all of her, her treasures and is filled with just. There's bonds in there. There's yes. gold in there. There's all sorts of stuff, yep. St- stocks, stock certificates. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. They buku rich. Yeah. Oh, that's what he said. It, the stocks were from 1902. So that was the um, time frame. Oh, okay. Okay. That's so long time. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's so, but so how old, cause I got confused because I'm like, Sigourney Weaver was saying that the warden was the, was her grandfather. So it was yeah. only two generations. So he, mm-hmm. if he was a full grown in 1902, when was her grandfather born? Yeah. Well, I'm sure the math maybe works out, but I, I think, you know, well, his, I keep on. His wife her. was also really young. Yeah, maybe that's true. Because yeah. even though he was really old, whenever he like, you know, tried to. But the fact that he was still alive when she was born is weird. Yeah, because like, he was uh, full yeah. grown and in, in 1902. Yeah. So how how many years pat passed before? The math is not mathing. You're right. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's very much not mathing. Anywho, um, so yeah. the gig is up. The jig <laughs> is up. Yeah, the book was like 1990s, like maybe in the ni- late 1990s, yeah. so maybe, but like still, that's a hundred years. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. And Stanley insists that everything in that chest is to be sl- split evenly with zero because he helped equally find it. Yeah. And so they split the proceeds. They they find out Mr. Sir is, because as the cops show up, Mr. Sir is just like covering his yeah. face the whole time, spinning around in circles. So you find out that he is violating his probation because he is not to own a firearm and his name is Marion. So he gets arrested, essentially warden, mom, Mr. Sir, all get arrested. Because mom's not even a real therapist. Yep. And then Mm -hmm. they find out because, because Stanley's like, I want zero to come with me. And so they're like okay bring us his documentation like his His records yeah Mm -hmm. and there are none to be found because they have destroyed them all and so then the lawyer's like no if there's no record of this child being here like he he's he's not staying here right Mm -hmm. Uh, so he's allowed to go back with them and then it starts raining because the curse has been lifted oh that's right Mm -hmm. So the boys are all excited because it there's finally rain. 
And then the warden, the, the whole movie, we get this thing, like after anyone says anything to the warden, she's like, excuse me. <laughs> and so yeah. Yeah. at the very end, she's like, can you just open the chest? I just want to see what's in it. And Stanley turns around and goes, excuse me? <laughs> no. <laughs> Great impression. Perfect impression. Thank you. <laughs> Kick rocks. Yeah. So then we see it, it's a little later on. Grandpa takes Zero and Stanley to the bus station. And Zero had said all along he just always wanted to be able to afford a private investigator to find his mom. So he does find his mom. They're reunited. And then, oh, and then they buy houses next door to one another. And they have all the boys over for a pool party and to see the first commercial being aired about grandpa grandpa's foot odor eliminator called Sploosh. And Which it's name, uh, the name. <laughs> and the guy that they stole the shoes from. Yeah is in the commercial yes yeah, sweet yeah. feats is in the commercial and that is holes and then we get the music video to holes with them boys rapping yeah. also there's like a extra scene where zero is with his great 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 grandmother mm-hmm. which is cute so yeah the actor's on TikTok now, and he's like, I don't know, he always just like holes, like spoofs and stuff. Like, I don't know if he did anything afterwards, but like, I think his most notable role is holes. He's a big gamer, and he has like a oh, Twitch channel, okay. and he does a lot of like YouTube videos and stuff like that. So, you should definitely check out his. That's good to know. I'm happy he's doing well. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's gotten Cleo Thomas. Yeah, he's, yeah, good, really doing his making it carved out his own lane which is cool I think mm-hmm. all of them have done well with the exception of obviously Shia and also Max Cash who played Zigzag I think he had some trouble with the law as well oh so. I recognized him the most of all the kids because like I think he was an even I don't know if he was an even Stevens but he was in another Disney production or maybe in Nickelodeon at the time so like I recognized him but I'm happy to hear that all the other kids did well because I I think that was like the first time I really saw most of them. So Mm -hmm. the guy that played Trout Walker, Scott Plank, this movie is actually dedicated to him. He died in a car crash after filming wrapped on holes. Oh, that's really sad. I didn't know that. What else do we got? So we, Nathan Davis, the actor who played Stanley Yelnats, the Second, Stanley's grandfather was the director Andrew Davis's dad. Oh, okay. Cleo Thomas, side note, he also has a holes inspired clothing line. Ooh. And he also the orange jumpsuits. Like I, I have no idea. <laughs> and he so was also on Parenthood's Sons of Anarchy and Shameless. Okay. So in the running to play Zero, you had Taj Mowry and Romeo Miller. So mm. Cleo was very surprised he got the role with, when he was up against like more well more neat. More he just had an authenticity to him. He, mm-hmm. he, I don't, I can't really see anybody else playing that role. He did so well, and he 
it just felt like he had um like an old soul essentially I agree you know, yeah I was telling Jackie this too like the chemistry with the kids in general I don't know how their screen tests work but they just like seem like they were friends so like I don't know if him and Shia like did auditions together or they maybe like tested them out together but like they just organically work like I think it, the friendship really felt authentic with yeah. the movie so their chemistry was just on point Cleo Thomas celebrated his bar mitzvah while shooting holes very nice Cleo did film the entire scene where he's they when zigzag was like fighting and he was bullying Stanley and he Mm -hmm. jumps on top of him he was he had a horrible heat rash on both of his thighs while filming that scene so I feel bad for him for that one (laughs) yeah this is the second Tom Blake Nelson movie we've done he was in heavyweights Oh, Heavyweights is great, too. It was a good movie, too, to talk about. We did Heavyweights, and it and we was... did not like that. It's movie. hard to watch now because it did not... It does not yeah. age well by any means, but it's a good one to talk about, for sure. If you want to make Kiss and Kate's spiced peaches, Scholastic actually came up with an easy-to-follow recipe, so you should definitely look that up if you... You I'm, I'm more curious about these onions. I want to know how you can eat onions where you can just bite into them raw. Right. Like, that is what I'm curious about. I, I guess... did tout them as sweet onions. Yeah. Yeah. And Patricia Arquette did not know how to ride a horse prior to taking the role as kissing Kate Barlow. Hmm. Interesting. Did she? Oh, yeah. She did ride a horse because when she was an outlaw. Yeah. Right. Uh, The author of the novel, he appears with his wife and daughter in the scene where Sam is selling onion juice. His one line is, my head. (laughs) Because onions are supposed to be like therapeutic and like fix things, which is very interesting. Like, how? okay. (laughs) (laughs) I did say that Shia, this is when Shia LaBeouf like was still off of Even Stevens. So Mm -hmm. like he was so very, like, I think he still was shooting even seasons at the time. So this was like his first movie role, maybe, or like one of his bigger movie roles. It's his first, I think it is his debut. Mm -hmm. It is because in the credits, it says introducing Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. Which is so sad because it's like, then, I don't know, he's just so young and so like innocent and like, we don't know anything about him at this time. So watching this, I'm just like, it really brings me back to being like, because I love Eden Stevens and I was really excited that he got this role. Even though I was just like, I really wish they picked an overweight actor or stay true to that storyline. Yeah. I was just like, I was, I was happy that he got this role, but like now I'm just like, ah, this ruined one of my like favorite childhood memories. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh man. Well, yeah. Before we dive into our readings, I just want to ask Maria for you to tell everybody where they can find you on social media again. Yeah, for sure. I am on TikTok as Mario Watches Everything. And you can also find me on Instagram and YouTube under the same name. I'm also on Twitter. So go to my link tree on TikTok to find that. Most of my content that's updated, that's talking about the new shows and reviewing it, will all be on TikTok. So find me under TikTok under Mario Watches Everything. And you can find us at No More Late Fees on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. 
All right, let's get into these readings. We'll start with you, Maria. What does today, Maria, think of holes? I, please don't hate me. What are the scales again? I think I would buy it just for nostalgia's purposes, just because when I watched it, I'm just like, oh, remind me of childhood, remind me of the book. So very different from Y2K Maria. Because Y2K Maria was just so critical of the book, though. I was just like, when I, at the time when I watched it, I'm like, they did this wrong, they did that wrong. As an adult, I was just like, ah, they did the best that they could. And it's like right. the best adaptation I've ever seen of a book to a movie. So for nostalgia purposes, I would buy it. For me, it's like in between a five day and a two day because it was my first time obviously watching it, but I enjoyed it. I just don't know if I'm like going to rewatch it over again after this. That's where I'm kind of torn because it's not, it's not, it's a very, I think it's a very good movie. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just going to go with five day rental. I think it, it's, it's good. I agree. Five day rental. It'll definitely be something like when my niece is old enough, we sit down and watch holes together. Yeah. Or if it's on TV or if someone says, Hey, let's watch holes. I'm not going to be like, no, thanks. I'm good. Definitely not a would buy, but five day rental feels yeah. right. <laughs> I was like, that makes sense because like, again, like as someone who read the book, I'm just like, I wonder how it translates just as a movie. So that makes sense. I like I'm happy to hear that it's a good movie that like it still makes sense. It wasn't too much or didn't make sense chronologically. Yeah. I saw it on social media so many times that it it's interesting like what my perception of the movie was before going in and how I feel about it afterwards. Mm-hmm. So cool. I, I definitely had a more positive viewpoint of it afterwards. I'm glad because I know you were a little nervous going into yeah. it. Yeah. What was the social media perspective, if you don't mind me asking? Because just I don't think I've ever seen it before on social media. I just I always see like people posting about it and pictures and videos and stuff. Like there's a huge fan base for this movie online. So I was just like, what is blessed? This always on. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> like I, I. I think besides that one video, I've never seen it on my TikTok oh, or yeah. social media. Cleo has a ton of videos that he posts from that time period. So, yeah. That makes sense. I guess like it makes sense that Jackie brought up that like there's a big reading fan base when it comes to elementary school. So I I understand that this book, this movie never like dies essentially. Mm -hmm. So I I never even thought of it that way. That like, oh, people still watch it because it's required reading. So it makes sense that it would still come up on social media. Yeah. The interpretations are very interesting as adults. (laughs) Well, if you have any feedback for us, hit us up on our quick drop, 909-601-NMLF, 909-601-6653. Twat us at the Twitters or leave a message on our Anchor FM account, which is now Spotify for podcasters, and you can be featured on a future episode. And thanks again to Mario for joining us. And yes, don't miss wonderful. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thank you for having me. I always have so much fun here. <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget to check us out next week as we are stolen away by the hitman in the 1998 movie The Big Hit. And as always, be kind and rewind.
This meeting is being recorded. That's new. Yeah, that's a different voice. Yeah, never heard that one before. This meeting is being recorded. I don't know who this new bitch is, but I don't <laughs> like it. <laughs> and why is she talking that in your headphones? I don't know. <laughs> Super weird. <laughs>